you're listening to the Dirty Boots Show. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dirty Boots Show. I'm Chris Nixon. We've got two phenomenal guests, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But first, Rosie, do, do you mind if we start with you? My name is Rosie Aburta McDonough. I'm the executive director for Hispanic Contractors of Colorado. And we are super excited to be here, and hopefully this conversation will bring you some additional knowledge. Yeah, and I know we're going to dive deeper into HCC in, in a minute, but before we get there, Lauren, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Yes, my name is Lauren Grosh. I am a partner of Sky Blue Builders. We are a general contractor. We do a lot of commercial work all across the front range, and I'm part of the HCC Legislative Committee and a post or previous board member for the HCC as well. So really excited to be here, Chris. Thanks. Rosie, why don't we start with you? For those people, our guests, watchers, viewers that don't know about the HCC, tell us a little bit about what it is. Absolutely. So the Hispanic Contractors of Colorado was created 33 years ago in our community as a 501c6 membership, membership organization. We are 200 members strong, very, very active in several different areas. One of the main things that the HCC does is we are dedicated to ensure that small, medium-sized, and prime contractor businesses in the architect, engineering, and construction industry can talk to each other. We look for to have meaningful impact in the Colorado economy and to be a leader in creating effective networking spaces for small and minority-owned businesses to connect with potential clients, build networks, and retain important business and industry knowledge. We also have an educational arm or affiliate. It's called HCC Contractor Academy, and we create very affordable um, educational content for companies in these industries. So tell us, like, if, when you join, what happens? Absolutely. So we have a variety of different membership levels. We're geared towards figuring out what fits the company best. So in the networking space, we do have a monthly general membership meeting, GMM, event that creates a space where people can get to know each other. Instead of just knowing the name of a company or a public entity, you see a face. You mm -hmm. can talk to them. You can talk to them about possible contracting opportunities, possible, you know, working with each other, kind of like partnerships, working two companies together and going after a contract together and things like that. We also have committees. The committees are a very important space that we create. So to give you an example, Chris, we have the aviation committee, the infrastructure committee, mm -hmm. we have the small business roundtable committee who is dedicated to provide resources to small and medium-sized businesses. And then we also have women in leadership. As you probably know, in the construction industry, women are less than 20% mm -hmm. in the workforce. Now, what we want to do is we want to teach and, and put out there the knowledge of women can definitely work in the in the industry and they have so much value in different areas it's not just you know holding a hammer and mm -hmm. hitting a nail right mm -hmm. there's so many more opportunities that we can see in business development marketing you know there, there's so, so many other things so we create that environment in the networking area on the legislative side basically what we do because we have a legislative committee we create a space for the small businesses to have a voice 
you know, every legislative session gets presented with bills and, mm -hmm. and law proposals that affect the small businesses and they affect the way we operate, they affect the way we have to pay for fees and things like that, our employees affect our, our workforce. Mm -hmm. So the legislative committee is the voice for that small business that do not have the capacity to retain a lobbying firm on their own. So we are a group that represents that industry. And then last but not least, the educational component that mm -hmm. I mentioned before, the HCC Contractor Academy, we create affordable sessions in areas such as scheduling, project coordination, project costs, you know, contracts, things that are very, very important. Accounting. Accounting is so different for mm -hmm. a construction company mm -hmm. than what it is for just a regular consulting company mm -hmm. or a regular professional services company. So those are some of the topics that we have in front of the audience. And lately, we have started to do a lot of Spanish classes mm -hmm. as well, because who's coming behind us? Those companies that may feel more confident learning the content in their own native language. Mm -hmm. So so those are some of the things that we create as an organization, mm -hmm. and those are basically our main pillars. One more part that we have and we do a lot of work around is leadership development. So we have scholarship programs that help those individuals basically go on to leadership classes with different organizations to develop themselves as the next leaders in our group. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, because I, th I was reading here that <clears throat> when you mentioned committee groups, 11, is that how many you have? Yes. It seems like that, that's great. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. How'd you get into <laughs> to this? So my background is it, I've done a little bit of everything, as you can imagine, as an immigrant, you know, mm -hmm. I got here when I was 25. Thank goodness I had already my undergraduate degree in math, which I'm very passionate about numbers. I work in banking, I work in business development. I also had my own company mm -hmm. as a credit reporting agency nationwide. Mm. I took it internationally because of my language skills mm -hmm. and things like that. So I've done a lot of different things. And the last couple of things that I did was I was a consultant at the Small Business Development Center network. You know, I work throughout the state with small businesses of every walk of an industry that you can imagine and every size as well, you know, from one person to hundreds and hundreds of employees. Then I went on to be the director of the minority business office for the governor's office at OEDIT, and that just opened my eyes as to, you know, what are some of the th things that a business needs, you know, what, what sort of challenges we face. And funny enough, what I learned is that all of us business owners, it doesn't matter if we have a restaurant, if we have a construction company, or if we have a professional services company, our challenges are very similar, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When we think about growth and when we think about success, mm -hmm. success has different meanings for different people, right? But I learned a lot from that. And then I was a part of the HCC board of directors. I was okay. their treasurer. And when I was offered this position, I was like, you know what, I think I can have a, a really great impact. And also what I saw that is an opportunity to be more intentional into one industry, mm. the construction, engineering, architect industry, 
allowed me to just, from the universe, just kind of focus on one big thing and have more impact in helping these type of companies. Not to mention, this industry is filled with minority-owned firms. Mm -hmm. That's that was, you know, a natural fit for me. So that's how I ended up here. That's cool. All right, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about the Contractor Academy a little deeper. You mentioned it earlier, if I'm remembering correctly, which is only 10 minutes ago, so I hope I'm right. <laughs> but tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. We have two different types of programs. We have core classes mm -hmm. that takes place every month. Mm -hmm. it, a couple of different classes. You know, we can talk about insurance, accounting, bonding, we can talk about scheduling, project coordination, project management, project costs, estimating, you know, all kinds of different things. That's mm -hmm. on the core side of things. Mm -hmm. There is another component that's a leadership class that takes six months and is called the scaling program. Okay. Fantastic program. So what happens is that that takes place for six months. The attendees is a, is a petite group of about 15 companies. Okay. And what we do is we go through the classes every month, it's two classes every month, but then we also pair them with a coach. And the coach works in the area that business works in, but the coach is a C-suite level type of executive mm -hmm. that works with them in identifying the challenges they have, identifying you know what are some of the solutions they can, they can look up to when they look at a prime contractor, prime contractor has a different type of infrastructure versus a small or medium-sized business, right? Mm -hmm. But what are some of the things they can utilize in their operation and incorporate in their infrastructure so they can grow, they can go on to the next level? And that's what this class is all about, scaling the business to the next level of success that they have identified. Like I said before, success means different things for different people. Mm -hmm. My success could be, hey, I want to start working in a different state. I want to open a branch in a different state. Or I want to increase my workforce by 10 people. How do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm hiring those 10 individuals and I have enough money in my bank account to <laughs> keep them in place, right? Because yeah. if I hire 10, I'm not only in charge of those 10 individuals, I'm, I'm in charge of their families. Mm -hmm. And that's a big concept for a small business. You know, you're not just hiring an individual. You, a family, depends on that individual. Maybe I look horizontally in, into my line of business. Do I want to take on activities that are after my process or before my process? Mm -hmm. How do I expand horizontally my, my scope of services? You know, things like that. So that's what this class helps people with identifying the best way to grow their business and, and being very effective at it. It takes a lot of investment, not only time, but financially lending capacity. How do I do that? How do I get to that point as a business to make sure that I grow in a healthy way and, and, and do that? So that's the educational side with HCC Contractor Academy. So processes, you said you have about 200 companies that are members yes. of HCC and then 15 that are part of the six-month program and then it obviously just cycles. How do you guys go about like identifying and how, to, how does someone become a part of that? 
Absolutely. So there's requirements. You're required to have at least three years of operations okay. at, uh, to be part of this program. You're required to have at a minimum $1 million of, re of revenue mm -hmm. because you have to be have a business concept, right? You cannot be a startup. This is not a program for a startup company. This is a program for a company that is in, you know, operating in their field, in their trade, but then let's say they want to start working with the city and county of Denver. They want to work with Denver International Airport. They want to work with some other public entities. Mm -hmm. And they have to have the strength financially and operationally infrastructure-wise to be able to perform in those contracts. Because those contracts, once you sign them, you're responsible for performing. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and not only for your own company and for your, your own reputation as a company, but also all these public entities have to make sure that the people they are hiring are going to be able to finish the project. Very cool. We're going to shift to Lauren. Legislative committee. Let's talk about that. The legislative committee is comprised of 10 business owners with 12 representatives. Okay. And our overall mission is to advocate and educate on behalf of diverse and certified firms on the local and state level to ensure that any legislative and purgatory initiatives affecting the construction-related companies can be addressed in a factual, legal, and beneficial manner. What does that mean in practice? I guess oh, in what, practice. Yeah, like, so oh, what, okay, what do you guys actually, you. like, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, so we actually take on a variety of different topics okay. and a lot of different initiatives. So one thing that we were really focused on this year mm -hmm. or in the last year too was a wage theft ordinance that got passed by the city and county okay. of Denver. Okay. We've looked at Adam County's outdoor storage code. That was another thing. Okay. So we really look at legislative measures and even local issues that are really prevalent. What Rosie said, we're a voice for small businesses. Um, mm -hmm. It's really challenging when you're a small business to really be heard, to really have a voice, and to really talk about your own issues and concerns that impact you from a small business perspective. So that is truly what we try to uh, do, is be that voice mm -hmm. for all of our small business members, and to really advocate for those things that are most, you know, arduous to our companies. And the wage theft is interesting. We work across North America, and even though a signer is headquartered in, in Denver, and we work with companies in California where the compliance, and there's a lot of like legality there, right, in terms of what time tracking, how you keep track, yep. how you pay your people. Tell us a little bit more, if you can, about the one specific to the city and county of Denver, the wage theft. The wage but, yeah, just look, can we go a little deeper there? Yeah, absolutely. As a small business owner, you're very concerned about, you know, wages mm -hmm. and really... As Rosie said, you know, I stay up every night thinking about the 103 people that are mm -hmm. part of my organization and feeding them. So, mm -hmm. you know, we take these matters very seriously. Mm -hmm. So for wage theft, that was something where we understood the principle behind it. However, they don't understand the underlying issues that it can create from a small business perspective. We don't have a large back of house administrative support or documentation mm -hmm. like you were just mentioning, mm -hmm. Chris. So it's really challenging from a small business perspective to kind of wrap your head around enforcing these measures and taking on this added burden. In this legislative session this year, we've seen a lot of procedures and processes and regulations. They have great beneficial meaning, but the overall principles are wonderful, but it's the underlying issues 
like the paperwork, the documentation, mm -hmm. the reporting requirements mm -hmm. that puts a really unfair burden on small businesses. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we were really, and I love stats, so I'm going to throw out some stats. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So there's, you know, about 45,000 construction jobs that need to be put into play um, by 2047. Because of the demand? Demand, yeah. yeah. And there's a 25% growth potential for the construction industry in the near future. So one thing that we're really advocating on is workforce. There's been a lot of different measures behind it, but one that we were really interested in was the Senate Bill 23065, which was a career development success program. Mm -hmm. And this program was really centered around, you know, high school kids, 9 through 12, in which they can get, well, the schools, you know, charter schools and public schools mm -hmm. can get funding and incentives for allowing uh, students to get certificates in like the construction industry and pre-apprenticeship programs. So creating that, you know, workforce because we are seeing a huge decline. We're seeing a lot of the baby boomers coming yeah. off. And now it's getting to the point where we really have to focus on the young students out there mm -hmm. and really get them intrigued and interested in the construction industry. So that was one thing that we were really kind of really supporting and trying to advocate for. So that was one just recently that we've been no it's great yeah we had one of our early podcast guests slightly different angle but talked about that he was he's a uh, he's a vet got into the construction industry and then talked a lot about on that podcast about how other vets and other people too yeah. like how do you get into that mm -hmm. industry like what do you like what education and training and even the like the the view of those sorts of jobs right like and like and <clears throat> what he said was you can still make good money and take care of your family and do all these things and it's not <clears throat> Not necessarily, you know, I don't know if it's a negative thing, but there's a lot of positive things mm -hmm. that go into that. And so it was just fascinating that like kind of correlated back to what you were saying yeah. in terms of that path towards that career. And it sounds like that's <clears throat> what you guys, I mean, kind of obviously this is in conjunction, but like helping support yep. the industry. Absolutely. Let's 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 raise it up and and kind of change the, the paradigm a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in public education at the high school level or even even middle school level, what you saw in the last 10 years is all of those trade programs, you know, carpentry, mm -hmm. electricity, plumbing, and things like yeah. that, they disappear, Chris. Mm -hmm. and, and right now we are being aware of the need for those programs. When you have kids that are college age, mm -hmm. right? You think about, you know, their future. If they have a trade, they can be having a job where they can make enough wages to pay for their school mm -hmm. if they want to go to college. But mm -hmm. right now, that's not necessarily available to them. They have to go into a $200,000 student loan. Saddled debt, with that, right? And, yeah. and then when they graduate, they have to pay for that loan. And so what kind of sustainability we're creating there for our kids? These type of apprenticeship mm -hmm. programs Believe me, they pose benefits and then they pose also challenges, mm -hmm. right, <clears throat> in many ways. So that's why we're here to see those apprenticeship programs are available for high school graduating students. Mm -hmm. But also, we have to make sure that the the burden is not put on the business to create that apprenticeship program. Mm -hmm. Why? Because... As a small or medium-sized business, we don't have the capability to create an apprenticeship program and then put them to work. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of work with our authorities and our government entities to understand the fact that when we say we're proposing this bill, well, you're creating three to four weekly hours of work 
for mm -hmm. the small business owner. Mm -hmm. You have to see the impact of that. You really have to think about all the components of a bill or a, a proposal. Sometimes it's for the betterment of our community, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you also have to think about who's gonna be carrying the burden of all that paperwork, all those hours in the office, uh, being that we don't have mm -hmm. an HR, <laughs> you know, four or five people team <laughs> that mm -hmm. are going to help us with that. So right. creating transparency for them, because a lot of them don't have business ownership experience. A lot of the people that put through these bills and proposals, they, they never run a business. Right. Mm -hmm. They have never think about, am I going to make payroll this right. week? <laughs> and if you don't <laughs> have that like experience, that. it's things you don't think about. It's right? hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to relate to them. So that's why we're here. And, and we don't come across as, you know, gosh, you can't do that. No, we come across from the standpoint of let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. let's create a common ground because some of these things do make sense for our communities. They they better our society, you know, but but we have to think about how to do it. Let's talk about I see some stats here for uh, yes. Colorado specifically mm -hmm. and the construction industry. So let's Absolutely. talk a little bit about that. The Colorado construction industry is a $25 billion industry, and it brings about 187,000 jobs to Colorado. And just like what Rosie was saying is, we try to bring the perspective of small businesses and to give opportunities. So one thing that's really been at the forefront of our mind is the infrastructure bill. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about this behemoth mm -hmm. $1.3 trillion mm -hmm. bill, and the money is starting to flow now down to states and local mm -hmm. municipalities. So we want to be on the forefront of it um, because a lot of, you know, almost 57% of the 21,000 construction firms are small business. Mm. So we need to create opportunities for those firms, especially when we're looking at such a wonderful infrastructure act. Mm -hmm. So recently there was a state disparity um, study that was conducted okay. and it showed that minority and women owned businesses received about 8% of the state contract mm. dollars and below the 28% expected from the availability of their analysis. This disparity needs to be addressed, and we need to address it now, especially when you have so many small businesses that are carrying the weight of the construction industry. 57 mm -hmm. percent, that's more than half of the mm -hmm. construction industry is based on small business. So, you know, we are an advocate for that, and we're really pushing on that. One thing that we were very active, we testified on behalf of and had a wonderful relationship with Senator Coleman and Senator Kohler and mm -hmm. Representative Ricks was the State Procurement Disparities Re uh, Remediation Act. Okay. That's Senate Bill 22163. This was to establish a program, a state program, a procurement equity program with the Department of the Personnel and the purpose of reducing the disparities identified in this state disparity study that I just mentioned and to provide opportunities for historically underutilized businesses and the utilization of such businesses in state procurement. So one thing that came out of it is that they wanted to hold stakeholder engagement. I think we're getting to that point. So mm -hmm. we're just really looking forward to the future and working with these representatives and these senators to really push forward this initiative and make meaningful impact for the small business community because that is what we represent at the HEC. That is our primary mission is to really provide opportunities and a voice for those small and disadvantaged businesses out there. I really wanted to thank 
both of you for being here. But before we go, I know let's talk HCC. How do people get to know you guys? How do we how do we reach out? How do Absolutely. We learn? They can just basically go to the website. There's a membership tab or become a member tab. And it's super easy to explore. We have a brochure right there that you can just go through the pages and figure out what's the best level of membership that pertain to your business and how involved you want to be. One thing I can tell you is that there's a lot of different ways that you can interact with large primes or government entities through the events and networking opportunities that we put out there. So the website is www.hcc-diversityleader.org. And you can certainly go through that. And one other thing that I want to mention, Chris, is we were started by a handful of wonderful Latino-owned businesses. But when you look at the membership for the HCC, that's why we're known as the diversity leader, because we have businesses that come from every industry, from every background in the demographic that mm -hmm. you can imagine. We're super welcome, welcoming to, to anybody that is either starting or that has been in business for five years or that has been in business for 30 years. We have a little bit of everything for everybody. Most of the time, we do have companies that are in construction, engineering, design, architects, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But then we also have professional services companies that work with those industries, like a printing company that does all of the traffic control signing. Mm -hmm. We have a, a handful of consultants that also work in the procurement side of things. So we have a variety of people that are all involved in the industry. Why construction? Well, we have a future. You know, we're not going to start building. We're, we continue to grow as a society. So it's either housing or it's either commercial building mm -hmm. or it's healthcare or, you know, aviation. Mm -hmm. We work in, in the community and the community is growing as a whole. And there's a lot of construction companies that can see great opportunity in working in this industry and being very unique to that part of, of their business. So. Mm -hmm. No, it's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And both of you been, have been fantastic today. Thank you for being guests. I know our audience is really going to enjoy this episode. So Thank thanks. You so Thank much. you again for inviting us. Yeah. We really appreciate that. You're a fantastic partner, and, and we hope for many years to come to continue with the relationship. We'd love to. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Dirty Boot Show. To keep up with the latest podcast updates and highlights, follow Assignar on social media.